Well, it's good to be back after uh, four weeks of a study sabbatical. I'd like to thank you as uh, my church family for allowing that opportunity to uh, really accelerate my uh, uh, doctor of ministry program. Um, I am pleased to announce that on Friday afternoon, just before I departed on a Cub Scout camping trip, I hit send on my computer, and uh, the... uh, the prospectus is off to the committee, so uh, it was time well spent and many hours. Uh, I'm just grateful to you. Thank you. No. <laughs> that, that's my way of thanking you um, and uh, reporting a little of what uh, God allowed me the grace to accomplish um, in these weeks. But it is good to be back with you, to uh, be here, um, to worship with you, to think about God with you, to talk about God with you. To hear from God with you. We're uh, focusing this morning on Paul's letter to Timothy in his second letter, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to focus on just a few verses really as a, a jumping off point to think about the whole scope of Timothy's life and uh, how God worked uh, in his life uh, over the course of his living. The Apostle Paul writes to him, In uh, verse 14, he says, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, And training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Father, we believe these words. We come seeking to understand them more clearly this day. We pray that uh, this time together we would know your presence, uh, ministering uh, your good word to our hearts and to our hands and our feet. And that our lives would demonstrate that reception in all that we do, and how you are shaping and transforming us day by day. We thank you, we praise you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Some of you know I have an uncle who lives up in Novato, and he's uh, been diagnosed with uh, a terminal form of of cancer. Uh, Hospice has been called in, and I've tried to get up to see him at least once a week uh, in these recent uh, few months, and my brother drove up from Southern California, and he brought this manila envelope, and as he opened the, the envelope, inside were uh, probably 15, maybe 20 different photocopies of family pictures that we began to look at together and began to sort out. My, this is my dad's brother, my Uncle Jack, and he, um, he and my dad were uh, two of 13 kids growing up. And so when you begin to look at the siblings and look at their children, it quickly gets confusing, especially when you were uh, one of the youngest of the cousins growing up in such a large family. And so we're sorting out who belongs to who and, and watching and looking through some black and white pictures and many colored photographs of uh, the family resemblances. Um, the Butler genes are fairly strong, and there are certain features that, that can be seen along the way. But uh, as, as we looked at those, there was just this interesting pleasure that came over, a sense of belonging and, and knowing that this is a family of mine, both in the, the good things and the, uh, the, the faulty pieces of our family. Uh, but there's something good at seeing and understanding and connecting with Uh, that which uh, is a resemblance. Uh, Many people talk as married couples 
uh, have been together for decades and decades, how often they begin not just to act and talk like one another, but even begin to uh, look similarly to each other. I I pray that that happens uh, for me and Susan as we grow older. And I certainly hope that I resemble more of her than she begins to resemble more of me. Uh, A few years ago, I was walking down a sidewalk in Pasadena next to my brother and his son. And uh, as the three of us walked together, my uh, Susan and my sister-in-law were walking behind us. And all of a sudden, we hear this giggling. And we turn around. We're like, what are you guys laughing at? And they said, you three walk exactly the same way. With the exact same gait, the exact same kind of bounce or whatever uh, you want to call it along the way. I I know uh, a few years ago when my oldest son, Owen, got his first pair of glasses, if I had a dollar for every time somebody told me that he looked just like me, uh, people would come across the schoolyard to make this observation. They had no other reason for coming up to me. And uh, this happened on multiple occasions. Then they would say, he looks just like you. If I had a dollar for every time I heard that, I... I would own my own island in the Caribbean right now and be, uh, be rejoicing. There is something pleasing when familiar traits and healthy patterns are commuted to someone else, especially somebody that you care deeply about. Teaching and watching somebody else develop in abilities brings great pleasure to our lives, especially if you watch them develop in sports that you love or in woodworking that you're good at or crafts or working with cloth or even knitting. So many things. There's such great pleasure in seeing something that you do and love and do well being passed on to someone else. The passing down of our faith is much like this, as God pictures it through the entirety of Scripture a couple of verses just out of the Psalms in 71.18, the Bible says, So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those who come. Again, in Psalm 145, the Bible says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. There is something that is so fulfilling in seeing a faith that is active and vibrant in Jesus Christ taking root in a young life and watching that young life develop in their response to God and watching that young life learn how to pray and watching that young life take on the responsibilities of discipleship. There's something so pleasing about that, so deeply satisfying about watching that develop and knowing that God has worked through your life to be a part of that. Timothy, in our passage, is much like that. There are a lot of people that we encounter in the Bible that we only see in their adult life. We see them maybe in an episode where Jesus encountered them in a healing or in a question that they asked of him. But there are occasions, like with Timothy, that you get to see a a, a large sweep and scope of their life from birth all the way up into their adult living with Christ. And Timothy is one of those people. In fact, if we're to turn to the chapter uh, 1, the first chapter of Timothy, 2 Timothy, in verse 5, Paul opens the letter saying this. He says, I have been reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now also lives in you. This idea of the sincere faith is the concept of being genuine or being without pretense. 
One commentator uh, translates it as an unhypocritical faith that is within you. Timothy, Paul says, as I have observed your life and, and as I know who you are, I have noticed that in you is this unhypocritical type of faith that emerges from within you. Timothy, we know from Acts chapter 16, grew up with uh, a mother who uh, was a faithful Jewish woman. She, at some point in her life, had become a believer. His dad was a Greek man, uh, presumably not a believer, so his family life of origin wasn't perfect by any means in the sense of uh, a perfect environment to uh, shape his faith growing up. But his mother, and somewhere along the way, Timothy had become followers of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 16, we see as Paul and Silas travel through uh, the area where Timothy lived, they, they pick up Timothy and they say, Timothy, come and join our missionary band as we uh, travel through. So we see Timothy uh, as one who not just uh, in Acts or Second Timothy uh, chapter 3 that we'll look at a little bit more intensely in a minute. Not only was he one who was trained in the scriptures in his family of origin. But he is one as at a future date became part of the missionary group. He would later become a pastor at Ephesus. And six different New Testament letters list Timothy as a co-sender of the letter. So we see Timothy as a, a young child in his family. And we see him also as a full uh, matured disciple of Jesus, trusted by Paul a constant companion in the kingdom of Christ. In this letter of 2 Timothy, Paul is putting ink to paper for the very last time. This would be the last letter that he would write, recorded in the New Testament. Now, there are issues in the church where Timothy pastored. People were teaching unbiblical and untrue theology. It was confusing a lot of others. The people are described as those having a form of godliness but denying its power. And into this context, one of the messages Paul wants to translate and give to Timothy is to continue Timothy. God has not given you a spirit of timidity, but one of power and one of strength in his equipping of your life. To continue Timothy in the faith that you have so evidenced in your life. Continue Timothy in the ministry that you have engaged in. Continue Timothy In being formed and shaped by the Holy Scriptures, Timothy, continue. This word continue is the idea of remaining in, to abide in. The same word is used when Jesus describes uh, how he is the vine and we are the branches and we are to abide and to remain in him. Timothy is now being encouraged to continue in these things, to remain in them. There are three aspects I want to just touch on briefly this morning that highlight the development of Timothy's genuine faith, this uh, unhypocritical faith. There are the family of origin in which he grew up, had a deep impact on him. His family of faith that he connected to over the course of his growing up years. And then finally, the scripture. Let's begin with his family of origin as we read back again in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse uh, 14, Paul says, as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. 
Timothy was able to develop a genuine faith in part because of his faithful family in which God had placed him into. Timothy had a faithful mother and a faithful grandmother. And as Timothy was born and grew up in their home, they held him in their arms as they cradled him in the scripture and in this home environment that saturated him in the knowledge of God. This idea of uh, infancy in verse 15, how from infancy you have known the scriptures, can be translated literally as a fetus in the womb or as a newborn child or even a nursing baby. And the idea we're supposed to take from this is that this instructing of a child starts at the very youngest of ages, where faith can be sown into the soul and imprinted upon the life during these most impressionable of years. Part of the message, I think, to be communicated to parents this morning or to grandparents or to anyone today who has the opportunity to regularly uh, model and encourage somebody, nurture them into Christian faith, is to continue to abide in that which you have the opportunity from God to offer to somebody else because spiritual living is a serious business. If you've watched children or grandchildren embrace a living faith in Christ Jesus, it's not the time then to put your feet up and kick back and, and rest and be satisfied completely in that. Because now you have the opportunity through the life you live to model a faithful response in the regularities of life so that they can observe and watch the way you live your faith. You have the opportunity to pray regularly for them. You have the opportunity to anticipate the next phase of their life, the decisions that are upcoming, the influences that will be shaping them. Ron Whittemore stood here in this very spot yesterday during the memorial for Gabrielle. And uh, after Beth had played in the prelude some beautiful uh, medley of songs, some of them Christmas songs, Ron shared with us that those were chosen because they were some of Gabrielle's very favorite songs. And he began to share how Christmas time has been such a strong and important tradition for their family. Not only do they focus on Santa Claus and the Christmas trees and, and some of those fun things, but more importantly than that, Ron said, was really an emphasis on the birth of Jesus. And he went on to share how uh, over time as Gabrielle grew up, that uh, she was growing, that he would begin to help her grow in her faith by asking her to teach him the Lord's Prayer. And he would ask her to teach it to him again, and to teach it to him again. And they were rehearsing together the beauty of this great prayer, and the beauty of this life that is so joy-filled in the Lord Jesus. What a wonderful picture of a family trying to nurture a child into an understanding and an embrace of the living Lord Jesus. What a gift Gabrielle has been to her family and to all of us. We know that uh, in these families of origin, of course, there are no formulas. There are no uh, do this and this will result. Uh, it is no mathematical equation. What God calls from parents or grandparents or anyone who has the opportunity to imprint faith upon somebody else is simple faithfulness and consistency, enduring through the difficult and lean times. Some parents have prayed hard and done everything faithfully, and then some 
but their children have yet to become believers in Jesus. And parents' heart aches on occasion because they desire so deeply for their child to enter into the joy and the fullness of this life of living with God. The message for you today is to continue to abide in this faith, to continue in prayer for those children and those ones that you love, to guide them, to offer modeling enterprises for them, to monitor the influences that shape them as best you can, and keep pointing them to Jesus. Timothy was blessed, not by a perfect family, by a mixed family, one a believer and one apparently an unbeliever, but by the faithful mother and a faithful grandmother who would read to him and and recite to him the scriptures. Timothy was shaped, and he was blessed in his genuine faith by that family of origin. He was also blessed by a family of faith that helped him develop this genuine faith. In uh, chapter 3, verse 10 of 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul says, You, however, you know all about my teaching, Paul says, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, suffering, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions that I endured. Timothy was shaped, of course, by his family of origin, But he was also shaped through his family of faith because of faithful people who invested in him, like the apostle Paul. In other places, Paul would refer to himself as a spiritual father to Timothy and to others. A spiritual father is one who contributes to the spiritual nurture of an individual. He is one who has communed closely with Jesus and is able to strengthen the life of another through both verbal teaching through both life modeling. The Christian life is not taught only through words or seeking that others merely adopt some sort of religious theory. But life in God's kingdom, life in God's kingdom is also taught through the pattern of the life of the teacher himself. Paul often would invite others to imitate him. Research over and over is revealing more and more over the last decade that children who are planted within intergenerational settings in a church, one study pointed out that they mentioned prayer more regularly. And in discussing prayer, they demonstrated more relational concepts with God because they're seeing those concepts lived out in the lives of the adults around them. They're watching the modeling of a praying parent or a praying Sunday school teacher or someone in worship that they're sitting in a pew beside and all of a sudden they they look over and here's this adult. Maybe they don't know them well, but they're watching the pattern of your prayer life and they're absorbing that. And study after study are beginning to show how that translates into a durable and ongoing adult faith. The Bible describes in several several places the aspect of faith training being delivered or being passed on or handed over. One great example of that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when the Apostle Paul describes worship and especially the Lord's Supper. He says, what I received from the Lord I have now passed on to you. It's not that we're looking for novel concepts. We're taking the good old story and we're passing it on, we're handing it down. Timothy, you see, was blessed by his family of origin, who took intentional and consistent steps to shape his life in this environment that was drenched in knowledge of the Lord. And then the faith community gathered around him over time. 
and shaped his life, especially the Apostle Paul, both by teaching and by life example. Are you maturing a believer who could be passing down your faith to somebody else? Is there somebody in this church that God may have prompted your heart to connect to more intentionally so that you might walk with them and somehow pass down your faith to them? It may be a child. It may be a youth. It could be another adult who may not be quite as far down the journey of discipleship as you are. Perhaps you could invite them every other week to sit and read the Bible for 30 minutes and talk together about how they're integrating the Scripture into their regular life. Maybe, maybe you should involve yourself in the children or youth ministry of this church for a season. For a season. So that you might have the joy of watching God work through your life and sing faith blossom and take root in a younger life. You know, a young person can be taught all the right things about God and be able to quote a thousand Bible verses, and that'd be great. But their spiritual training to know and to personally relate to Jesus, it requires modeling in order to give it shape and context. Did you know for a young life that the way that we live our life either punctuates or punctures the reality of life and faith in the midst of everyday living. The way that you live your life either punctuates or punctures the example and the quality of this faith that you're describing. Timothy, through his mother. Timothy, through his grandmother. Timothy, through his spiritual father, Paul, knew what it was to have a faith developed and how they were effectively able to pass that on to him. When we talk about spiritual life, we're not just talking about general spirituality. We're talking about biblically informed spirituality, Jesus-centered spirituality, God-honoring spirituality, and ancient spirituality, the answer to the great mystery that for ages was kept hidden, but how in Jesus Christ has been revealed. This is the spiritual life that Timothy was shaped in. Not only was Timothy... Blessed by his family of origin, who intentionally and consistently sought out ways of nurturing him in faith. Not only did the Christian faith family form around him, especially in the person of Paul, to provide shaping for his life, but Timothy was shaped deeply through these, and the content of that shaping was the Scripture itself. The Bible, of course, isn't just any book. It's described as being breathed out. By God himself. I want you to think about that for a minute. The breathing out of God's life and his revelation to us. Let's hear it again out of verse 16. All scripture is God breathed. It's inspired and is useful for teaching. It's useful for rebuking. It's useful for correcting. It's useful for training in righteousness so that. The man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Timothy is told that the Bible is the essential place for being prepared for all of his ministry. I want you to hear what William Mounts, a commentator, says about this passage and a a little snapshot of Timothy's development. He says that Timothy had learned the Hebrew scriptures from childhood. He had known the character of those who had taught it to him had come to understand experientially that it was true, had recognized that its source was the very breath of God, had understood it within the context of the early Christian proclamation of Jesus Christ, and therefore 
had become convinced that it and it alone was able to equip him fully for the task of ministry. The scripture, every believer needs to know that the scripture is able to provide everything they need for the outfitting of their ministry. For a focused and sustained spiritual life, the scripture contains what you need to be equipped. Be encouraged today to continue, to continue in that which you know to be true, to continue in the faith of Christ that you've embraced, to continue in your seeking out of the scripture and drawing out of it the life that God would have. Continue in your prayer-filled life, asking God for a heart that is pliable enough that God has the ability to do the work of shaping your life after his own. I want to close this morning with a short little quote from Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray was born to Scottish parents in South Africa, grew up himself to be a missionary and teacher. He says about this topic of passing and transmitting faith on to a future generation. He says, it is one generation living for God that will secure the next for him. So I can ask in faith, expecting that my wholehearted consecration to God will, in his infinite mercy, guide my children toward the same goal. His salvation is from generation to generation. May it be so that we continue in this faith that God has called us to. Father, we pray this morning that we would abide and continue and remain in in this great gospel that you've called us to. We know, God, that it is not easy, that uh, there are many reasons that come to want to distract and derail us from this life of faithful response to you. We pray for your grace to guide us along the way. If there be any here this morning who has not yet embraced the good news of this life in you, life to the very full, life to its utmost crescendo of joy in you, may this be the day that they would come and respond. May this be the day that their hearts would be laid open to you. May this be the day, perhaps, that their knees would bow in honor and submission to you. Because you love them. May it be so, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.